Hi there. Thanks for listening. This episode is sponsored by Matt, the Mortgage Guy, a California mortgage broker and real estate investor with your interest in mind. For good, honest advice and any of your residential financing needs, go ahead and shoot him a message at matt at themortgageguy.com or feel free to text him directly at 916-529-7600. Remember, when you're ready to apply, call Matt, the Mortgage Guy. And just so you know, for one rental at a time fans, he is waiving his $6.95 processing fee. Take care. Hey, good morning, Michael. How are you? Hey, Ty, I'm doing great. How are you? Doing wonderful, doing wonderful. So here we are today. It's a new year. It's 2021. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of excitement. I think there's still a lot of confusion as to what's going on. You look at what's going on in the political climate. And so, you know, I, I just thank you for your time. I love doing these weekly interviews with you. I just want to get, I want to dive right into it. Sure. I'm listening to your channel every day and I love the content, by the way, and I, and I always plug this because I believe in it wholeheartedly. If, if I don't watch regular news for the rest of my life, I'll be okay. But what I do listen to is I listen to Michael's daily financial news and he ties in what's going on with Washington, D.C., politically, what's going on in the economy, a little bit of stock market, but it's all geared toward us, the real estate professionals. So let's dive right into it. Let's talk about the blue wave. Let's let's maybe talk a little bit about that conversation. Yeah, so let's, let's, let's reference everybody what the blue wave was. So back in November, right, there was a lot of talk. I believe I talked about it some on my channel that the Democrats were going to sweep, right? This was pre-election, right? So call it September, October. And it was just called the blue wave, right? The Republicans are red, the Democrats are blue. So the blue wave was, hey, you know, they're going to get the House, they're going to get uh, the Senate, and they're going to get the presidency. And, you know, at the time, it was like, you know, I think most people at the time, uh, you know, at least half the country thought it was unlikely that they would get the executive branch, which they did. Joe Biden won. Uh, but there was even less people thought that they would take the Senate. It was looking unlikely on November, uh, whatever it was, November 3rd or 6th, whenever the election was. But lo and behold, there were two Senate seats uh, in the state of Georgia that neither candidate got 50%. And their state law says that if, if no candidate gets 50%, there's a runoff from the top two candidates. Okay. So that happened, uh, what is today, Thursday? So that happened Tuesday. And by Tuesday late evening, uh, one of those seats flipped was declared uh, Democrat. And then the other one was tooth and nail, uh, but ultimately declared Democrat as well. So as of, let's call it Wednesday, because that second seat wasn't really assigned until yesterday, which would be Wednesday the 6th. Uh, there was there was general hope that there would be a mix of government, right? Democrats would have this, the Republicans would have that. And generally speaking, I'm one of to say that our founding fathers thought that through, right? They thought and probably wanted a split government because a split government means nobody can shove things through. Um, you can't just be party specific and that forces compromise and working together to you know, facilitate helping the American citizens, which is the job of a government. Uh, lo and behold, now uh, the Senate is Democrat, right? It's technically 50-50, but the tying vote goes to the VP. Uh, Kamala Harris will have that honor uh, in about uh, two weeks, I guess. And uh, so now they do have them. So the question is, 
what happens? Because I believe the world changed a little bit yesterday. And if you're an investor, whether it's real estate or stocks or anything, you have to ask yourself, what risks do I have today that I may not have had Monday? And I believe there are, I don't know if they're risks, but there's certainly things on the table. For example, uh, I believe another stimulus package gets done. I believe the $2,000 check, uh, or maybe it's $1,400 now because the $600 already went out, but there, another check is coming and it's probably coming quickly. Uh, I don't think that happens if Senate doesn't flip. So that is something to realize, and that is going to be stimulative. Uh, that is going to be dollar debasing. It's going to be uh, potentially inflationary, all of these things. But on top of that, because now they hold all three, I believe, at least currently, that state aid or what some people might call a state bailout is very likely. You and I happen to reside in the state of California. Uh, the state of New York is often quoted. The state of Illinois is often quoted as needing help. Uh, because they are running a fiscal deficit. I believe if the Senate didn't flip, that state aid would have been tough. I no longer think that's tough. And again, please hear me when I say this. I'm not passing judgment. I'm passing facts on for my investing decisions. I'm not saying what's good or bad. The other things that I think happen with this, um, you know, what we're calling the blue wave in your question, is I think there's a general feeling that the rollout of vaccines has been slow and disorderly. So I think there's going to be money put in place for hospitals and for um, distribution centers and those things. I think there's a general feeling that having kids out of school for a full year is bad. So there will be money for kids in school. Um, so I just think, I think there's trillion, a trillion five, a trillion six coming in very short order because uh, two Democratic candidates won Georgia. And I just have to make a decision, what's next? So again, a trillion six, trillion five, trillion, whatever it is, what do I do? And you know, I think that happens. The other thing that I think happens is taxes are going to be a topic. And I think taxes go up uh, for the 1%, certainly. Uh, I think there's a chance that some tax goodies for real estate go away. Um, so I think, I think any good investor needs to sit down today and go, wow, what, if anything, do I need to change? And, you know, that's kind of where I'm sitting today. I appreciate it. Such a good, such well thought out feedback and um, really well, well thought out. And, and I just want to also, too, for some of the listeners, maybe if this is your first time watching, listening, um, you know, Michael, in, in my opinion, based on the way you cover things, you're, you're a very nimble investor, who is very interested in what's going on and neither are you blue or red, Republican or Democrat, but I would almost, my experience of mm -hmm. spending time with you is more in just very moderate mm -hmm. and in the middle, but ultimately a nimble investor of, okay, what's yeah. what's the child? I just want to put that out there. Yeah, so I think you, not, and again, I, I'm, I'm happy you see that. I try to, um, I think being a moderate or whatever you call that, the middle, the moderate, independent, I hate labels. First off, I vote for candidates, right? Like, as you know, if you listen to my channel, the only candidate I ever call out is Newsom because I think he, he's, he's lied to us, right? So I, I don't like that. So I call out the individual. I don't blame the party. I don't blame parties. A lot of my comments on my channel are this party is that, that party is, I hate those. I delete those most of the time uh, because it's, it's about, if you want to talk about a person, great, let's have that conversation. 
Uh, but the reason I bring this up is because I think to be a good investor, you have to be in the middle. Because if you are too far right, too far left, you are going to look at the tea leaves and your biases are going to probably pull you the wrong direction many times. So if you stay in the middle and you just look at the chessboard as the chessboard, right? The chessboard has two colors on it. If you ever play chess, right? It's, I think it's like white and brown. It's all the same to me. I don't only play on the white pieces. I don't only play on the brown pieces. I play, I play the entire board. So I believe a good investor has to be in the middle or they risk making mistakes because of their unnatural bias. Yep. Spot on, spot on. I couldn't agree with you more. It's interesting too, because, you know, they, they, I think they would refer to that as confirmation bias. Mm -hmm. When you're looking for something, you will find it. So if you're looking for opportunity, if you're, you know, think there's conspiracy, whatever it is, I mean, you'll find evidence of what you're looking for. Um, so no, spot on, Michael, I appreciate it. Let me, let me just segue something that you said earlier this week. And I really love, I think in the last 24 hours talking about this specific, um, this specific talk topic is you mentioned uh, the Trump tax return mm -hmm. specifically. Um, you mentioned also like land developers. Mm -hmm. And I just want to differentiate and I want to tee this up the right way. Um, depreciation on a tax return is a critical, critical component for most investors. And I would say even the small mom and pop investors, the mm -hmm. people just getting started with single family houses, you know, when, you know, you had those first four rentals, that was a critical piece of allowing you to grow and, you know, develop and build a bigger portfolio and such. So I just want to address, and let me just see if I can articulate the question is that, how do you see tax, you know, the tax code potentially, and again, this is all, we're just, you know, we're looking out and we're making sure. some predictions, but, you know, anticipation, how do you see it affecting the tax code specifically land developer versus the mom and pop investor and then the people in between? Yeah. So I think there's a couple of things there. So I, I do believe that one of the things that will come out in the next two to four years is I do believe the IRS, right? The IRS who's had an audit on president Trump for, I think a decade now, I think there will be a general feeling that they will take that tax return, look at the um, deductions that he was, as far as I know, legally able to take, and they will say, we don't want to do that anymore. But let's be clear. I think they're going to do the same thing to companies like Amazon, right? The fact that Amazon can do billions of dollars and pay zero in taxes, I don't think that is going to be... Um, I think that will be addressed in the next administration. So let's be clear. I don't think it's about Trump. I don't, I don't think it's about that. I think it's about being taking away some of those goodies. Um, so let's be clear about depreciation because that was, I think, the comment that was made. Yes. Um, there is something that has been in, put into the most recent, um, I forget what it was called. I think it might've been the CARES Act or the, I think it was Trump's, I don't know what they call it, Trump's tax change of a couple of years ago. It was called bonus depreciation. And what that allowed you to do is take you know, a lot of depreciation year one for like property improvements and things of that nature. That is going to go away. It was actually written to sunset, I believe by year 2025. So it was gonna be, you know, you can take 100% deduction for the first two years and then 80, then 60, then 40, then 20, then, then, then ongoing. I do not think the historical depreciation that you and I know uh, goes away. 
uh, I believe that stays. I believe that's pretty well entrenched. They want to incent landlords and mom and pop landlords and, and all of that. But I think the bonus depreciation that is often used by the richy rich land developers, multifamily, all of those who were, I mean, again, they were taking accelerated depreciation all year one, all year two, and, and essentially having no income tax uh, because they can hide the profit in a deduction. I think bonus depreciation goes away. And to be clear, it was written that way. It's not like it, it has to, it's not like anything has to change. It's, I think it sunsets all by itself, 20, I think 2024 or 2025. So I think that is what goes away around depreciation. Got it. I love it. I love the clarification too, because it's easy for people to generalize. Oh, all of a sudden now developers and landlords, it does, you know, mm -hmm. building owners, it doesn't make sense. But in fact, traditional depreciation, I completely agree with you. Um, I love it. So let, let me just segue. Now, something that you also mentioned um, about the stimulus and that, mm -hmm. you know, we're talking about now because again, Congress, presidency, Senate, everything is under one, you know, kind of one tightness, one umbrella. Mm -hmm. This stimulus, we believe that, you know, there, there's going to be uh, a much faster next round of stimulus. And specifically, I want to tie it in because if some of our viewers are watching Bitcoin, mm. that thing has taken off like a rocket ship and then probably the last, I would say 30 days, sure. 45, 60 days, depending on your perspective. Um, let's talk about all of this stimulus. How does that affect the valuation of things like Bitcoin, gold, people that hedge, also in terms of hard assets and the devaluation of the dollar? If you can just speak to that yeah, general comment. I think, yeah, I think there's a lot there. So I think, so it, it'll, it'll take us a while to get to Bitcoin, but I'll, I'll kind of walk it this way. So first and foremost, the printing, uh, again, it's not really even physically printing, right? We talk about printing of dollars, but there's actually not, it's, it's zeros, it's, it's, it's entries on a spreadsheet on a computer somewhere, right? Then it's like snappy snap, it's there. Um, those dollars are, or those, yeah, those stimulus um, are going to cause the dollar to depreciate. It's, we're spending a lot of money that is causing the deficit to go up, right? We're essentially borrowing from the future. And there's a price to pay for that. And that's going to be the dollar falling. Um, I do believe that that is going to have an impact on hard assets, i.e. real estate. I think real estate continues to go up, uh, assuming interest rates don't explode higher, although the 10-year note just went above 1% and that's meaningful. Uh, so you got to watch out for that. Um, but if we step back to Bitcoin, I think there's a lot going on around Bitcoin and it's only partially around the dollar and stimulus and all of that. Again, I do not claim to be a Bitcoin expert. Uh, I, on my channel, I, I indicated like 90 days ago, I was going to put 1% of my net worth in it as an insurance hedge. Again, I'm not a bull. Um, I don't look at it you know, as a thing. It's just one of those things that, that is out there as insurance for me. It's like the, okay, you know, what just happened portfolio. But I think what's coming to realize is a couple of things. First off, people are realizing that Bitcoin is fixed. The supply is fixed. There will only ever be 23 million coins available. That's interesting. Second, uh, I had a friend come to my house and I think it was 2017, just hyping up Bitcoin in the first bubble. When I looked at it, I got afraid. I was like, what does he, it feels like tulip bulbs. What, what is going on? So I avoid it. But what, why I moved 1% of my net worth into Bitcoin here very recently is I was seeing Wall Street, like 
big money, family offices, hedge funds, the potential for an ETF come in and they weren't buying half a coin, a quarter coin, they're buying thousands of coins. And when you have these elephants come in and they're gonna put them in what's called cold storage, all of that goes to limit the supply for daily trading. Then you have companies like PayPal or Square or MicroStrategies making company-wide bets it just feels like Bitcoin or crypto is becoming more institutional and a part of our lives. And then lastly, I think a lot of the uptick the last couple of days is because of the, I don't know what I want to call it. I, I, I want to call it nonsense, but that might be disrespectful. Like the craziness in, in DC the last couple of days has, has been horrific. And I think there's a lot of people going, oh my God. I mean, because again, the beauty about Bitcoin is it's not an American thing. Bitcoin is universal. It's a worldwide thing. So you could have people out there who had, like they lived in Australia or they lived in Canada or they lived in Brazil and they saw what was going on when these Americans had broke into the capital and were roaming the halls and being destructive. They're like, oh my God, America's falling apart. I'm going to take my US dollars, get out. That probably happened, right? Because you can just go on your phone and you can take your, you know, your assets in cash, US dollars and go buy Bitcoin. I'm sure that happened. And you know now they're sitting in Bitcoin instead of the U.S. dollar. That's the beauty of Bitcoin. It's a worldwide phenomenon. And you saw this before, like when Venezuela or other South American economies were collapsing, the rich got their money out of their local currency. And what could they move it to? Bitcoin. And oh, by the way, they don't have to lug gold bars around and diamonds or whatever it is. It, it, sits, it sits in cyberspace. It's, a, it's an open ledger. Uh, so it's far more secure. So, and then the last thing to talk about is I think there's a general shift. And this was my personal shift. A decade or 15 years ago, what did I use for a hedge? I used physical gold and silver. My net worth was a lot lower, but I still, I had a, I had a 1% just in case. This time around, I'm not going that route because it's, it's bigger and I don't want to store it. I don't know where to put it. I don't want to have the risk of holding it or any of that. So I'm like, okay, um, I'm going to look at my crypto. And again, it's only Bitcoin. There's all these other altcoins or all this other stuff. I just have one. I'm not smart enough. I just want to have one. And I move, I'm over time moving 1% of my net worth to Bitcoin because like before, I want to have a hedge. And lastly, uh, some bigwigs and Jamie Dimon, I think is one of the best bankers on Wall Street. And if you don't know Jamie Dimon, he was good before, but he suffered a heart attack kind of life scare about a year ago. And frankly, right now, he doesn't give a shit. He's like, I'm just going to tell people what I think. And if you don't like it, I don't care. And he's very knowledgeable. So he, he came out about two or three years ago and he called uh, Bitcoin essentially a scam. Uh, you know, air, you know, people are selling air. It's a fraud. And just, I think it was like two days ago, he's JP Morgan, which is Jamie Dimon's company said, you know what? Bitcoin may replace gold as a hedge. It may become digital gold. And oh, by the way, we think a coin could go up to $147,000. And that's like, that's just another aha moment for me. Like, oh my God, Jamie Dimon's like complete 180 um, going on. So I, I, don't think, I don't think the stimulus and the trillions of dollars uh, directly impacts the doubling of Bitcoin in a month, but it certainly helps. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much. So insightful, Michael. Um, for those of you that know me, you know I love 
the one day or excuse me one rental at a time youtube channel it is content rich so absolutely if you're not following michael do yourself a favor start following i love too that you just do these short maybe just share just real quick like what do you do with um maybe some of your content and kind of the way you you intend your content yeah, so uh, I do a daily show. It's called the Daily Financial News, which we alluded to earlier. That comes out at 7.30 every day, except Thursday, it comes out at seven. Uh, it's about 10 to 12 minutes long. And it's just a summary of at least 60 minutes of reading, right? I get up early, uh, I read, and I've done this for 20 years. I just now summarize and I talk into a camera for 10 to 12 minutes. Then Monday through Friday, I interview multimillionaires. That's probably a lot of, that's so much fun for me. We just tackle three topics at a time. Again, about 10 to 15 minutes long. Uh, and again, I actually let my followers ask questions, right? Leave comments below, ask questions, and then I'll ask them. And I do anything from syndicators to small mom and pop investors, to high school dropouts, to mortgage folks, to all these other folks. And then I do something called hot takes. Like there'll be a topic that just jumps out at me and I've, I got to go pull out my phone and talk to it. Um, I don't do things to feed the YouTube algorithm. I don't know how to do that. I don't edit my videos. I just talk live and it's just who I am. And lastly, I'm doing this to give back. It's, it's, uh, I, ha I have enough and uh, I'd like to see others have enough as well. I love it. Thank you so much for your time today, Michael. Uh, follow Michael, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. He's everywhere digitally. Follow him at one rental at a time. Thank you so much. This has been really great. Um, follow Michael, get involved with him. He is absolutely a giver. Thank you, Michael. You got it.